0: Landscape from coast to coast. This is betting across America on V-Sins, the sports betting network.
2: Oh, it's a great day to be alive, and it's a great day to be a better. Welcome inside the Visa Studios here at the South Point Hotel and Casino. It is betting across America, presented by BetMGM. Femia, Bebe, Bebefe, Adam Burke. Three hours to help you get set for the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, my favorite weekend of the year. And we got five fantastic guests to help us get ready for these games. Harold Coots, Fox 4 Kansas City sports anchor, joins us in 30 minutes. We begin to break down the game of the weekend between the Bills and Chiefs tomorrow night. Simon Gersberger of College Basketball Handicapper at ShotQuality.com joins us at the start of the second hour. We're going to look at the college hoops card. Ryan Wing of Fox 11 Green Bay joins us at 1045 talking all things 49ers Packers. Will David Bakhtiari play? We'll try to answer that question for you with Ryan. Jonah Javad, WFAA in Dallas, joins us at 1115. What the hell happened to the Cowboys? Also, Jonah specializes in the Cincinnati Bengals. He'll give his thoughts on this afternoon's game in the AFC Divisional Round. Then Dave Ross at 1145, VEASAN host and the host of the First Strike Podcast joins at 1145. Big night with the UFC 270 card in Ganu gone. Heavyweight bout. We'll hear Dave's take at the end of the show. Picks at 1130. Super Bowl exact is at 11. Stop, drop, shut them down, open up. Props at 1030. But first, Adam Burke. Divisional round, buddy. How we doing? I'm doing well. That was a mouthful. Right? You, you were, in, uh, we're ready to go, man. You're in midseason form here for the playoffs, I guess we'll say. Like the Packers and the Titans had a bye week last week. Now we're rested up. We're ready to attack this betting card.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's good to have you back in here. It's good to be back on the show as well. We got Bondo and Polo running the show. So uh, going to be a good day. And as you mentioned, a lot of stuff going on and a lot of high quality guests.
2: Whole gang is all here. And we begin our breakdown of the NFL divisional card with the night game, the top seed in the NFC, the Green Bay Packers. Packers five and a half point favorites over at bed MGM total 47 and a half as they take on the San Francisco 49ers. Adam, this is an interesting game. We keep hearing about the temperature. It's going to be freezing cold Packers coming off of the bye. Just your early thoughts on this game in the NFC divisional round. Well,
3: one really thought that I have, we were listening to the tail end of the Lombardi line while we were you know, waiting for uh, Patrick and Michael to finish up the show. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really interesting when when Lombardi said that Garoppolo was the quarterback of the four that they kind of had in that poll question over on, over at Visa and live that Garoppolo was the guy with the most pressure to me. I think if Jimmy Garoppolo cost the 49ers the game today, Kyle Shanahan called a bad game. This is a situation where you can run on Green Bay and you should run on Green Bay. They were 30th in yards per carry allowed. They're what 28th, 27th in rush defense DVOA. This is not a good run defense. If this game winds up falling on the shoulders of Garoppolo, either the defense failed or Kyle Shanahan failed.
2: Yeah, something went wrong if if this falls on the shoulders of Jimmy Garoppolo. The Green Bay Packers, one of the best teams against the spread. We've seen a little bit of push-pull in the market throughout the week. It opened four and a half, got up as high as six. But there's a little uncertainty about Packers offensive tackle David Bakhtiari. He played in their Week 18 game at the Detroit Lions, but didn't practice on Wednesday or Friday. We saw that news come out Friday early morning. And then the line came off of that number of six now to five and a half. This line movement, just what do you make of it as this line sits kind of in the dead zone with five being one of the least key numbers in the NFL?
3: Yeah, it certainly is sitting in a dead zone. And I don't mean to make light of David Bakhtiari, but it feels like he's questionable every week and has been (laughs) Been waiting on him all year for the last like four or five (laughs) seasons. But to me, I think that one of the things that we've kind of found out here is that Six appears to be a buy point for people that want to take the 49ers. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why the books have come down off of the six to go to the five and a half. Also you know, early in the week, there was some question about Jimmy Garoppolo, some speculation about more specifically the shoulder, not necessarily the thumb, which we know he has, but the sprain throwing shoulder that he suffered against the Cowboys. And the practice reports have been pretty good. The clips that we've seen from the open part of practice to the media have been pretty solid. So i think that that's part of it too where garoppolo's picture has gotten a little bit clearer here but again i think when you look at this game and you look at the ability of san francisco to run the football against green bay i think there are some sharp people out there that are kind of looking for san francisco plus the points and also too as i'm sure we'll talk about and as we'll get to in the pick segment Mm -hmm. i like the under in this game and of course anytime you get an under anytime you have a low scoring expectation you pretty much want to try and take as many points as you possibly can
2: yeah the dog definitely becomes a lot more valuable if there's Fewer possessions, lower scoring game, uh, definitely for that matter, with the Niners being the look for a lot of sharp bettors once that number hits six. I think that's the key indicator that you mentioned right there. And those are the things that I think as bettors you want to look out for in the betting market is, hey, when that number hits six, it quickly went to five and a half. So clearly that's like the line of demarcation for these sharp bettors in terms of the 49ers side. Interesting, this isn't the first matchup between these two teams. They met Sunday Night Football in week three. The 49ers were actually 35 favorites that night, but it was the Packers who won the game 30-28. to It was a fun game. Aaron Rodgers led the team down the field with 37 seconds left. Mason Crosby kicks the game-winning field goal. Rodgers 261 yards passing and two touchdowns, but the Niners' leading rusher that day, you mentioned this 49ers' ground attack. It was Trey Sermon. With 31 yards, these two teams are just completely different, in my opinion, from what we last saw earlier this year in September. And Kyle Shanahan, 49ers head coach, was asked about this earlier this week, about the differences between these two teams from earlier in the year to now tonight in the divisional round of the playoffs.
0: I mean, I think both teams are a lot better. Um, you know, we, it was earlier in the year for both of us. You know, I think we had uh, we hadn't lost the game yet. I think they were 500 at the time, and um, you know, I think I don't think either of us were executing as good as we are now on both sides. Uh, We've both been a lot through a lot versus then, and um, I think on both sides of the ball and in special teams, um, both teams are better in all the phases.
2: It's interesting hearing Kyle Shanahan bring that up because I'm looking at the box score from that game. Debo Samuel, who everyone's talking about, as one of the best players in all of football, not just on the 49ers. Two carries that night. I think we'll be a seal a little bit different later on tonight as they take on the Packers.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Definitely uh, some different personnel for the 49ers. Also something to keep in mind, this was a 17, 14 game going into the fourth quarter. There were 27 points scored in the fourth quarter of that game. So again, people are probably looking at this total and saying, okay, there were 58 points in the first game. The total was 50 and a half. Why is this total adjusted so much lower down to 47 and a half? And of course, moving down now, a lot of it has to do with the fact that the fourth quarter just kind of went off the rails in that game. So mm-hmm. that one was a little bit of a misleading 30-28 to 28
2: final, but – you know, again, also, too, things do tighten up in the playoffs. Yeah, you have a pick on this game. I have a pick on this game as well. We'll reveal that at 1130. Important to note for the 49ers, it was looking scary after their win against the Dallas Cowboys. We saw Fred Warner leave that game with an ankle injury. Nick Bosa suffered the concussion in that game. So those are two of their best defensive players. But then the Niners got a really good injury report all throughout this week. Yesterday, concluding with Nick Bosa clearing the concussion protocol. So Bosa is in. How do you see this 49ers pass rush? Do you think they could do something similar to what they did to the dallas cowboys which is kind of harassing dak prescott all afternoon do you see something similar later today with aaron Rodgers?
3: yeah i certainly think it's a possibility i think the difference is and, and maybe you could speak to this better than i could watching the cowboys as closely as you do unfortunately aaron Rodgers is maybe the best quarterback throwing on the on the move that we've ever had in the nfl he's just so accurate his downfield accuracy is incredible when he has to get out of the pocket I feel like Dak Prescott doesn't really have that to his game, at least not to the same degree. So, you know, the 49ers, even though Dak is mobile – you know, still, you kind of get him on the move. He gets a little bit inaccurate. Mm-hmm. With Rodgers, he can overcome that. So it's, it may be a situation where the 49ers do get into the backfield, but then Rodgers just does Aaron Rodgers things and, and makes the plays down the field that, you know, we've seen him make time and time
2: again. Well, especially, too, with the week off that Aaron Rodgers had with the toe issue mm-hmm. that he was going through. He played the first half in week 18 against the Detroit Lions, was rested in the second half, then rested last week during wild card weekend. That was kind of the, uh, the, the, the I guess the prize for them getting that number one seed, wrapping that up in week 17. But, you could see a more healthy Aaron Rodgers. He said that he feels as healthy as he's ever been since he suffered that toe injury midway through the season. So his mobility might be a key factor in this game of trying to avoid those 49ers pass rushers who come in droves. It feels like they got seven, eight guys who can really get after the quarterback. For the Green Bay side, in terms of injuries, Jair Alexander was questionable all week long, limited in practice every single day at practice with that shoulder injury. He hasn't played in quite some time. feels like he's been practicing for a lot of, uh, of time here leading up to the playoffs he should be good to go but wide receiver Marquez Valdez Scantling kind of their deep threat is doubtful for this Green Bay Packers offense didn't practice Thursday or Friday does that mean we see an excess of Devontae Adams targets I mean we're going to see that regardless but especially now that Marquez Valdez Scantling is not going to be playing this game or at least it looks like it from the injury report
3: and that's a problem, too, because he is a downfield threat for Green Bay, probably their premier downfield threat. Maybe you see more Alan Lazard. Maybe you start looking at some of his player props. Yep. Maybe you see guys like Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon get a little bit more action in the passing game. One thing I want to mention here real quick, I want to ask you about this. I know we're running out of time here in this block, but mm-hmm. you watched that 49ers-Cowboys game last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, the end game was was not impressive from either coach. I've tried to erase and, it from my memory. And it's been a bugaboo for Kyle Shanahan throughout his career, both as a coordinator and also as a head coach. If you're a 49ers backer, is that something you worry about here in this game? Kyle Shanahan
2: kind of, uh, you know, leaking down his legs, so to speak, in the fourth quarter? (laughs) I I mean, I think that's a top concern, honestly. I mean, like Kyle Shanahan, the schemer, the X's and O's guy, is one of the best in the NFL. Kyle Shanahan, the game manager, I think is kind of an average at best type of coach there. So in a situation where you think it's going to be a tighter game where these possessions matter, maybe a certain challenge or how you use your timeouts. Of ultimately matters and deciding what happens in the game. I think that's definitely something that you should factor in as a better here because every situation with this team or Kyle Shanahan being in a big spot he seems to have failed his football team. So I think that in close games, I would rather take the better quarterback. Matt LaFleur, I think overall, is a better head coach than Kyle Shanahan. Shanahan, I think, is a better schemer. But in terms of the overall thing, and LaFleur has Aaron Rodgers, so his record's going to look a lot better. But from what we've seen over the first three years with this Packers team, he doesn't seem, other than the NFC title game last year when he kind of made the decision to kick the field goal versus going for it, that whole thing. But he tends to at least be able to handle these situations just a little bit better. So we'll see what happens in terms of Kyle Shanahan, but I I, I don't know if I'd want Kyle Shanahan being on the sidelines, at least for me, in terms of having to make a big decision in this game. I just haven't seen it from him yet. Now it could happen tonight, but we'll see. Kickoff 5.15 Pacific Time. On the other side, we're going to talk about this afternoon's game. Bengals-Titans, the number one seed in the AFC, welcome into the playoffs. We'll discuss here betting across America presented by BetMGM.
0: If you dare.
2: Has a great new offer to help make this your best betting year ever. Our all new Big Game Big Dance special provides VSIN Plus all access to everything we do from now through April 5th for only $69. Sign up now and get our daily best bet emails, 24 7 video access, the upcoming Big Game and College Hoops betting guides, plus full access to VSIN.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every game. It's one of the most exciting betting seasons of the year, so don't miss out on one of our best deals of the year. Visit VSIN.com com slash big deal to sign up today. It is Betting Across America presented by Bet MGM, Feminia Bebefe, Adam Burke here joining you on this divisional round weekend in the NFL playoffs. Four games, two today, two tomorrow, and we start the weekend with the Bengals and Titans in Nashville, Tennessee, the top-seeded Tennessee Titans four-point favorites with a total of 47 and a half in this game. Tennessee minus 200 on the money line over at BetMGM. Plus 165 are the Cincinnati Bengals for the folks who are feeling frisky and like them to win the game outright. But Adam Burke, I ask you, this Bengals team finally got the playoff win off the, the monkey off of the back here, but now they're going on the road, going up against the best team record-wise at least in the AFC. Yeah, you know, I think Joe Burrow's comments were really interesting er,
3: right after the game and then also earlier this week where he was kind of like, look, I mean, yeah, we're happy to have beaten the Raiders, happy to have ended that curse, but this should be the bare minimum standard for us, you know, to go to the, to win the division, go to the playoffs and at least win a game. And, you know, he even said as much right after the game in his postgame uh, interview, he said, you know, look, we really celebrated winning the division. But we expected to win this game, you know, and I think that that's the right kind of mindset to have, especially for a kid in Burrow who has become the de facto leader of this team, as most quarterbacks end up being. And certainly he has a knack for playing in big games. I mean, the the stuff he did at LSU was incredible. And of course, now, you know, last week he didn't have to be great. But also, I thought that the Raiders were a difficult matchup for Cincinnati because the Raiders were third in yards per reception allowed, and I think top five in yards after catch allowed. That's what the Bengals have to do offensively in order to have success. Tennessee is not nearly as good. They're 23rd in yards per reception allowed, and they've given up a lot more yards after the catch than the Raiders did. I think it was 307 more in the regular season, something like that. So I think that this matchup for the Cincinnati offense is actually better for them than last week's matchup. So we'll talk more about that as we go throughout the show. But I just wanted to throw that out there first, that I think Cincinnati's offense is actually set up a lot better than people realize in this game.
2: Yeah, we saw this line open t- Tennessee two and a half last Sunday when this matchup was confirmed uh, and all the money from respected betters or respected sharps or whatever has gone through the key number of three and now sits at four like which, the sharp
3: uh, sitting next to me. We <laughs> yeah, got well,
2: Tennessee minus two and a half. I, I happen to take Tennessee minus two and a half. I don't know if it's necessarily correlated with me being a sharp, but uh, it's a good number to have in pocket here. But you mentioned Joe Burrow in these big games. We saw it back in college, college football playoff Heisman trophy winner national champion didn't seem phased by the moment last weekend against the las vegas raiders hear what burrow had to say when he was asked about playing in these big games now being in the divisional round when the cincinnati Bengals, aren't really familiar with being in the nfl playoffs
1: just played in in a lot of big games throughout my career whether it's you know this year playing i mean every every game in the last half of the season was a playoff game or are those games playing in the College football playoffs and the championship, you know, I think I've been in that situation before.
2: It's the calmness of his demeanor. It really makes you believe Because a lot of guys will say, okay, it's just whatever, any other game. But, like, Joe Burrow is so cool about these things. And he's done it, like you said before. And how important, in your opinion, do you think that is, especially with a franchise like Cincinnati, who's never won a playoff game on the road, how big and key is it to have that guy who's the face of the team Be experienced in these situations, even being only a second year player.
3: Yeah, I think it's huge, obviously. And, you know, I've always said this about all sports where a team kind of takes on the mentality of its head coach, of its manager in baseball. It's in the NFL. It takes on the mentality of both the head coach and also the quarterback. And for Burrow to be that cool, calm, collected cat that he's been, you know, I think that's something that's really positive for this team. With that being said, He's got a 13 to 0 touchdown interception ratio over his last five games. So everything's going about as well as it possibly could. If they do end up facing some adversity in this game, and a lot of people think that they will with all the Titans money that we've seen, the line being pushed out to four, Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. Does he keep his composure then, you know, if he has a bad red zone interception or, you know, an interception deep in his own territory, something like that. How does he rally in this situation? I think that's a really interesting question to try and figure out. As somebody who likes the Bengals in the game, I hope I don't have to figure out what that answer (laughs) is. But it is something that you do want to factor into the equation here is maybe from a live betting standpoint. You know, kind of look at that composure, look at that body language, see if Burrow looks like he's going to bounce back. And if he looks like he's kind of questioning his abilities a little bit, the team follows his lead, and that would be a problem.
2: Yeah, I think one of the reasons for the Tennessee money that we saw early in the week and kind of all throughout the week leading up to right now is that Derrick Henry, is going to be back. The Titans activated him off of injured reserve last, or yesterday, I should say. And the Titans are just healthier. And this is a team that has done a lot with not very much. And credit to Mike Rabel, their head coach, for that. That Mike Rabel coming off of eight days rest, I believe it is, is 8-0 against the spread and straight up so this is a guy that when he has that extended rest tends to overperform market expectations here and now you have a situation where they're rested they're at home home field advantage means a little bit more in a playoff game and especially against a team that hasn't really been in this situation i think that's a key thing and derrick henry talked about this earlier in the week he hasn't played since halloween week eight the win against the Colts in indianapolis is the last time we saw tractor cedo as they call him but here's what he had to say coming back from the broken foot injury as he returns to the field later this afternoon in Nashville. Uh, I feel good. I mean, I have a big steel plate on my foot. That's the only different from the from the left foot to the right, but I mean, I, I feel good. Just you know, I haven't did anything like two and a half months, so you know, just getting back out there, getting acclimated to everything, and you know, getting back to being me. It, it all starts uh, out here in the practice field, and you know, um, doing everything I can to be ready for Saturday. And that's just that's then that's where it starts. Just trying to work hard, trying to do the best I can to you know be the uh, be the best player I can be for this team, and try to um, contribute as best as I can. But you know the work starts out here like it always does. Adam, it's funny. He says, the only difference between the left and the right foot is I got a big plate in my foot. Seems like a pretty big difference here. Diana Rossini of ESPN said there's not going to be any sort of limitations on Derrick Henry's carries. They're just going to monitor to see how he holds up. So it's going to be a full Derrick Henry load for this Tennessee Titans offense. What do you think we see from King Henry, probably the best running back in the league, but now hampered a little bit with that plate in his right foot? Yeah, I have to give a nod to our producer,
3: Elliot, because he came over during the break after having seen this clip and said, you know, Derrick Henry doesn't sound super confident. He he doesn't Mm -hmm. sound like a guy who's, you know, who really knows what he's capable of in this game. And, you know, we know that he could be capable of a lot, and maybe he's a hot knife through butter with that Cincinnati defense. But at the same time, you know, he sounded like a guy who, you talk about pressure, pressure being on the quarterbacks, pressure being on the coaches, all of that. He knows that coming back, I mean, he's the focal point of this offense. And it sounded to me like he's kind of worried about that, having to hold, having to you know shoulder that big workload, being effective. Ryan Tannehill's numbers were not very good throughout the season, and especially not good when Henry went out. So he realizes that this, this the central focus of this game plan is all about him. So there's a lot of pressure on him to come back after not playing, as you said, since Halloween, and be the Derrick Henry that we all know. I don't know if that's going to happen. What, what was your take on kind of how he sounded
2: and and coming back? and I think maybe he's just kind of a mild-mannered guy just in That's general fair. so maybe that might be why he's not as confident now I might just be talking myself into being like hey he's good to go but I mean his player prop at BetMGM, MGM 85 and a half rushing yards um, I wouldn't really touch that I don't want to go over just because of the situation first time he's seeing live contact in a game hasn't done it since Halloween he has a a plate in his foot, uh, but I wouldn't want to go under because he could just rip off a 70 yard run to start the game. And it's like, okay, now you're holding probably a losing ticket there. But it's interesting that the betting market really thinks that he's going to be not quite back. Cause in the playoffs, we've seen his props in the past be as high as nine mid nineties, sometimes even a hundred yards, but 85 and a half is the highest rushing total. I think you'll see all weekend from a running back. And this guy hasn't played in multiple months here. So it's interesting to see the assumption that he's going to be, Back to the King Henry self here. Now, if he's not, Deontay Foreman has played okay in Henry's absence there. But the point that you mentioned, the fact that Tannehill, Henry, A.J. Brown, and Julio Jones really haven't been on the field that often is, I think, why, in my opinion, you're seeing a little bit of market disagreement on this Tennessee Titans team.
3: Yeah, I think so. And I'll be curious to see before kickoff here. Do those fours go away? You know, were the Bengals backers just kind of sitting there lying and wait for a four? Because this line, you know, was trending towards going to four. So let's see if it comes back to three and a half. I think that'll be a pretty interesting indicator. And, of course, we'll update that as we go throughout the show here. But, you know, look, I I think that everyone's going to talk about the Rams, Bucks, and Bills and Chiefs, but I I don't think you should undersell these two games because I think they should both be very good today.
2: Yeah, Uh, even a, a shop here in town, we saw four and a half for about, Five minutes. It went away quickly, um, but four and a half. It touched there. So, who knows where this market goes? It can continue to go up with Titans love, or maybe, the, like you said, the Bengals people could be waiting just to get the best possible number. Maybe I play back on the Cincinnati Bengals. Probably not. But uh, it, it's just, it's an interesting look here with this game. Kind of just the market. This we've seen the, the most movement with this game, which I think why it's the most fascinating one from a betting perspective that we'll see this weekend. On the other side, we'll break down the game of the weekend. Harold Cootes, Fox 4 local in Kansas City, will help us. Bills, Chiefs. It's the game you want to talk about. We discuss it next here on Betting Across America.
0: This is Betting Across America on vSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
2: It's never too early to prepare for the big game, and we want to make sure VEASAN is part of your plans. We'll be with you throughout the playoffs, and then on championship weekend, we'll have 56 hours of free video coverage on VEASAN.com leading up to our sixth annual live big game betcast. It's the biggest game of the year, so make plans now to join the VEASAN betting experts before, during, and after the action on VEASAN.com. It is Betting Across America, presented by BetMGM. Femi and alongside Adam Burke here from the VEASAN studios at the South Point Hotel and Casino. We're just breaking down these NFL divisional games, the game of the week of the game of the weekend, I should say, is Sunday evening, Bills Chiefs. And to help us get ready for that game is Harold Cooch, Fox 4 Kansas City sports anchor. Harold, appreciate you joining us here once again on Betting Across America. Got to ask you, how much do you take away from the Week 5 meeting between these two teams that we saw earlier this year?
4: Not much at all from a Chiefs defensive standpoint. Chris Jones is playing. He's going to be moved to the inside because of the addition of Melvin Ingram, who was added in the midseason. He's going to play defensive end, which allows Chris Jones to be at the inside. Frank Clark, who coincidentally is like the sixth all time in postseason sacks, amazing, between Seattle and Kansas City. He's now healthy. He was battling a hamstring injury for the first part of the season. And also the guy that was getting posted on most of those past plays with Buffalo played, Dan Swanson. He's now pretty much the backup behind Juan Fulner at safety alongside Tyron Badger. So a lot of things have changed uh, from a personal standpoint for this team. Trevor Ward is back at quarterback as well, too. He's one of the better quarterbacks in the Chiefs secondary. So a lot of things have changed defensively. They're hoping that is a change on Sunday
3: there's here's a question for you because a lot of people expecting this to be a very high-scoring game. It is the highest total on the board, and one of the highest totals you'll see in the NFL playoffs here. You've got a Chiefs team, fourth in points scored during the regular season, first in points per drive, first and third down conversion rate, but they were 17th in red zone efficiency in terms of scoring touchdowns. What's the issue in the red zone for Kansas City, and do you think it's a problem here in this game?
4: The issues early on stood from, I think, they thought, they could just run the ball in with the new offensive line that they had with Joe Tui there and Creed Huff, has been an impressive center, went number one by PFF. Uh, and, and then Trey Smith, who in the interior, of a six-round draft pick from Tennessee. They thought they could just be physical with their approach, but it turned out they couldn't really be physical. So they started to go a more trick. You've seen Travis Kelsey throw a touchdown pass, being thrown last week against Pittsburgh. You've seen them kind of do a little shovel pass to Jared McKinnon. Shovel passes become kind of a way of the Chiefs in the goal line when they to get a little desperate. They also step in Blake Bell at quarterback. He used to play quarterback at the University of Oklahoma. And now they kind of uh, put him in on short situations, especially in the red zone. That's helped him progress. So, yeah, it, it's, it's middle of the pack when you're taking account the entire season because they try to figure themselves out. But as gotten, the season has gone along, they've gotten better at that. Now, Buffalo Bills defense is number one in the league overall. So that's going to be a big challenge going forward for them. And the, the good thing about the Chiefs side of it is they haven't had to use Harrison Butker, their kicker, a lot in, in, in the red zone as much as they've had to in, in earlier in the season. So now they've improved upon that. But that just goes down to the genius of Andy Reid and calling a little more plays. And he's got plenty more left in the playbook that he hasn't even used, and I'm sure, that'll break out Sunday night.
2: We're speaking with Harold Koontz, Fox for Kansas City Sports anchor, talking all things Bills Chiefs here on Betting Across America. Harold, based on the point spread in this game, the Chiefs right now, one and a half point favorites over the Buffalo Bills total at 53 and a half. But based on that point spread, the betting market is kind of suggesting that these two teams are either dead even on a neutral field or maybe Buffalo could be the slightly better team. Do you agree with that sentiment?
4: I kind of reared the latter. I mean, if you look at Buffalo, they look like a better team right now. I mean, they just beat up a Bill Belichick coach defense, something that the Chiefs have struggled against in, in, in the past before. And the Bills look really good. And I think the addition of Devin Singletary in the backfield to get that additional running threat has really helped him. He's had 87 yards in five in his last six games in comparison to the Chiefs. Uh, 14 of their 18 games played so far, they've given up the 80. Uh, the running back, the opposing running back, had over 87 yards. So they're gonna have their hands full with their offense. They're, they've been talking all week about how they got to account for Josh Allen's running ability. He ran for 59 yards in their first match uh, against him. But I think the Bills also have to account for the running itself of the Chiefs too. Patrick Mahomes had 61 yards against the Bills in that first game. He's actually the sixth leading rusher uh, in the league so far. He's not too far. I mean. Well, not too far away from Josh Allen. Even if Josh Allen was third, you'd never know that Patrick Mahomes was six all time just because he's known for his passing ability. But no, I think Buffalo looks like the team that is better. I mean, it's curious now that the Chiefs come off of a win against Ben Roblesburg and then and it, we knew that was the end of Ben Roblesburg. He's going to do much. And and now they're facing a Josh Allen guy who can't do a lot, who is dual threat, who uh, is a big, sturdy guy. The football coordinator, Steve knows a week ago, how they really had to go back to and had to tackle a guy like that. They had nobody to really emulate that, not even a running back. So, yes, I do think you're along the lines of the ladder with the Bills. I think it's a lot of respect for the Bills. is a really good football team coming there. And they might be playing better than the team that played in week five and they beat the Chiefs by
3: 18. Harold, Patrick Mahomes in the second half of the season's played extremely well. He's taken very good care of the football. Only four interceptions uh, since the Week 8 game against the Giants that they won 20-17. to 17. What's changed for Mahomes? Is, is it something different with the play calling? Is it something different with some of the routes that they've been running? Or is it just the fact that Mahomes is you know having a little bit better luck on the interception side?
4: I think it was twofold, and a lot of it had to do with luck. A lot of the interceptions early in the season, they were deflections. You watched the ball come off Tyree. The, the, the Bills' interception that they returned for a pick six in the game, that was a deflection off Tyree Kill's hands. Travis Kelsey had some weird drops. So they didn't have to go back to the judge machine. They just had to go back to just really just catch footballs. I mean, I think at one point, of 11 interceptions, catch balls, two at one point, six more deflected off awesome. of And then the other two were just crazy decisions that you'd never seen from him before we just like uh, like for instance there was an interception of in Washington where he just trying to one out of three guys there was nobody open and he just threw the ball up for no reason. So he's really gotten more patient with his attack and he's more taking advantage of what the defense gives him. He's got that gunslinger mentality that West Texas Texas Tech, you know he's gonna throw the ball deep, he's looking for the big play and then what they really did is they tried to tone him down and they said, hey take what's given for me just take the short pass of take the short pass. Travis tells us he's in there, take the pass of the running back at the flat, take the screen pass, just stop trying to go deep all the time. And then they've to, also took Tyreek Hill, he's been more like, hey, we're going to run you deep. But then the defenses are running too deep-shell coverage. So nice. They've tried to motion him in the back, out of the backfield. they try to get him to just do five-yard out rounds. Simple stuff. It simplifies to the point where it made the offense easier for Patrick Mahomes to take what was given to him. at the beginning of the season, he was the guns mentality, that's what he's in. He's to be more patient, take what off uh, defense gives him, and he's still getting good results like the 400 yards and five touchdown game he had against Pittsburgh last week.
2: Harold, I just can't get the AFC title game out of my mind from last year when Travis Kelsey had a big game against this Bills team. Now they have those two all-pro safeties with Poyer and Hyde, but do you see this being a game where Mahomes is reliant on Travis Kelsey in the passing game? Because I'm looking at some of his props here. Anytime touchdown, plus 105 for Travis Kelsey. Do you see this being a big game for the Chiefs' big tight end? It's funny you
4: mentioned that because uh, I was asked about uh, uh, at our station, you know, what would be your that I was like Java's supposed to do touchdowns. That's the first thing I'm taking immediately because he's had like you said, he's had so much success against Buffalo. He's so capable of just finding those open spots. I and mean, Mahomes and Tells all this year have discussed about how they kinda of have this little telecomes going, like when in doubt, Travis is open, he just kinda of knows where he is, kind of a little, you know, ESP, if you will. Going on between those guys, and they just worked on that. Travis just kind of knows where to find the space because the Chiefs' offense is really predicated on the receivers finding the open space. Not necessarily route lane per se, just finding the open space. And Travis is so good at that. What he had to work on earlier in the year is trying to get off the line because people were jamming him at the line of scrimmage. They were being more physical with him. You could tell he was kind of beat up. He is a veteran, and he's one of the old guys in the squad. So he was beat up. He had to get more physical off the line of scrimmage find a way to get open. Now, the Bills uh, use some the personnel there, like you said, with those two guys in, in, in their secondary that can kind of be physical with them at the line of scrimmage, and the Bills can take advantage of maybe not having a blitz. I think they were 1.3% blitz the first time they played the Chiefs. So, two plays out of the uh, how many plays the Chiefs ran that night, they blitzed. They can take advantage of that with, with you got a guy like Greg Rousseau, but Again, it's going to be interesting to see the chess match that Le'Veon Frazier, the offensive coordinator for the Bills, uses to try to jam Travis at the line of scrimmage, and then how Eric enemy in the Chiefs' offense tries to get him open. They've done a great job recently of getting him open, which is another three touchdown games against the Chargers uh, most recently, and then of course the game against Pittsburgh where he was pretty good too. So that's going to be a big chess match to watch, but. I would favor Kelsey just because of the fact that he's learned how to get out of the line of They've learned throughout the season to get him open. And, and again, he's always had success with the girls. Even when they lost. he still had 50 in of and, and
2: He is Harold Koontz of Fox 4 in Kansas City. Harold, have a good time tomorrow night for this game. It's going to be exciting one we'll be watching. Thanks, as always, for joining us here on Betting Across America. All right. Appreciate it, guys. All right. How about that? What? what? I wanted to ask you about some of the things Harold said in that interview. But on the other side, we'll also preview Rams Buccaneers. We're rolling along here. Hour number one: Betting Across America, presented
0: by BetMGM.
2: MGM welcomes you with a special offer on the Pro Football Playoffs. Simply place a $10 Moneyline Wager on any game. If either team scores a touchdown, you'll win $200 in free bets, regardless of your bet's outcome. Just use bonus code v 200 when you make your first bet. Enjoy the playoffs like never before and earn M-Life rewards that you can redeem at any MGM resort. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use bonus code v 200 to win $200 in free bets if either team scores a touchdown in a Pro Football Playoff game. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire 7 days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi and Nevada. It is Betting Across America presented by BetMGM. Femi and alongside Adam Burke coming to you from the VEASAN studios here at the South Point Hotel and Casino. The the division Original round NFL playoffs, Adam, my favorite sports weekend of the year. We just got done talking to Harold Kuntz, sports anchor over at Fox 4 in Kansas City. And I asked him the question if you thought the Buffalo Bills are the better team, because based on the spread and how the market is viewing these teams, you can make an argument that they're either even on a neutral field or Buffalo is slightly better. He agreed with that market sentiment. Harold, we've had him on earlier this season. During the Chiefs' struggles, he believed in the Kansas City Chiefs team. But it's interesting that he's like, no, I think Buffalo's actually the better team on Sunday's matchup here. Just curious your thoughts on that with this Bills-Chiefs game, likely the de facto AFC title game. Yeah, it's funny because I kind of hear something like that, and I think back to my Cleveland
3: roots, and I think to myself, okay, that would just be a local reporter who's seen it all and a lot of bad being self-deprecating. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who's in Kansas City. He's where seen a lot of good. He's seen a lot of good, especially <laughs> lately. So it was a pretty eye-opening comment to make, and and as you said, I think it's really good the way you weave that in there about the fact that, look, based on the line that we're seeing, based on the movement that we've seen, we assume what? Arrowhead's probably two and a half, three points home field advantage, I think it's maybe option. the full three in the playoffs to be sure. And here we have Buffalo who's smaller than a three point underdog. So it does imply that Buffalo is the better team on a neutral. And I thought it was interesting to see, to hear Harold say that. I think it's interesting to see the way the market is treating that as well, where, where, mm-hmm. To be honest with you, I don't know if I could make an argument against it. Like, I don't know if I'm fully for it, but I don't think I can make an argument against it.
2: Yeah, this game being under a field goal, I thought was the proper line. Um, one and a half, I didn't see that coming. I thought it'd be two, two and a half in some places you could get to. But it's just... I didn't think we would see it based on what we've seen in my Patrick Holmes first three years as a starter. I never thought we would see the day to where he's laying less than a field goal at home in a playoff game. It's just, it shows how good this Buffalo bills team has been in the second half of the season, especially since after that loss of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then what we saw last Saturday when they absolutely demolished bill Belichick and the new England Patriots, speaking of the Patriots, their former quarterback, Tom Brady, he's now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're the defending Super Bowl champions and they're hosting the LA Rams. Rams tomorrow afternoon out there in tampa and this game also under a field goal brady laying less than three at home in a playoff game two and a half is the line at bed mgm the total of 47 and a half. we saw these team meet earlier this season a lot of time has passed since then but what do you think about this matchup now being played at raymond james stadium You know, I think from a betting standpoint in the
3: context that we talk about games, I think it's the most interesting one of the weekend, because as you said, you do have this scenario where you have the Rams going cross country. You know, and a lot of people are kind of downplaying their victory over Arizona. Sort of Mm -hmm. saying, well, Kyler Murray didn't play well. Cliff Kingsbury's never won a big game. He's never coached well. (laughs) What was the the biggest game he's ever coached in. Right. And and (laughs) he didn't look good, you know. And and the Rams didn't have to use Matthew Stafford a whole lot last week. And that's been the big question mark about them. A lot of people, you know, calling him Matthew Goff, saying that they just got a more expensive (laughs) Jared Goff, you know, all that kind of thing. like. All of a sudden, those narratives have just kind of melted away in a lot of ways for them to be, as you said, you know, three point with, uh, you know, kind of plus money juice or two and a half point dog in this game. I think that's really intriguing. I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, but I think it's kind of a fascinating game to talk about in a betting context and also just to look at. All the individual matchups in this game, you know, I mean, you've got some some great secondary players for the Rams going up against all these weapons that Brady has. You've got Aaron Donald, the best of all time at his position, against Tom Brady, probably the best of all time at his position. You know, Von Miller being the big X factor, and Byron Byron Lefwich talked about that. Mm -hmm. He's like, "Well, what's different about the Rams this time?" He goes, "Von Miller." So that's obviously something that he's worried about, kind of game planning for. It's a really, really
2: intriguing handicap where I think. The spread and the total are pretty tight. Yeah, it was interesting when it opened two and a half. I was like, whoa, what's going on here? It went to three. The minute it got to three, just like we talked about the indicators in the Bengals Titans game, or rather, sorry, the 49ers Packers game, we saw the indicator that once it hit three minus 110, there was respected people who liked the L.A. Rams in this spot getting a field goal. Now, there are a lot of injuries in this game to keep mm-hmm. track of here. And on the Buccaneers side, it's their offensive line. Tristan Wurst, their offensive tackle, left their wild card win over the Eagles with that ankle injury injury. Ryan Jensen left for a brief moment there. Their center who's an all-pro center. He has an ankle injury. He came back and finished the game, but still a little hobbled. Didn't practice on Wednesday or Thursday. Then you have Leonard Fournette trying to come back. So many injuries for this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. Godwin and Antonio Brown already gone in terms of pass catchers for Tom Brady. Just Can the defending champs, can they do it again? I mean, last year, this time, they were the healthiest team. Now it feels like they're the most banged up team in the playoffs. And that's something else that's
3: really interesting about this line is that Jensen and Wirfs both practiced on Friday. And and Jensen seemed like he was going to play throughout the week. I don't think there was really much question about that. Wirfs is the one that you worry about, obviously, being a guy who protects, you know, out there on the edges. Then you get the Andrew Whitworth injury for the Rams. And you also find out that uh, Taylor Rapp's not going to be able to play. Their safety didn't clear concussion protocol. So I would have thought, okay, these two linemen practiced on Friday. Jensen will go. Wirfs probably will go. But then you find out that Whitworth's not playing. Why didn't this line go to three market-wide? Why didn't this line go to minus three, minus 110, something like that? That's a really interesting indicator to me. Maybe people are just kind of erring on the side of caution, waiting to see you know who's actually out there for pregame warm-ups, how they look and all that. But I thought that was intriguing that when you had a little bit more of a positive injury report for Tampa Bay and a negative one for the Rams, the line didn't really react.
2: Yeah, I think that that's the one that – It stood out like a sore thumb when you Mm -hmm. saw that. I I was expecting, I was looking at the odds board when the news came out that Andrew Whitworth was ruled out. And I was like, okay, this is going to hit three in about 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I kept looking. I was like, okay, it's still two and a half. What's going on here? And it's interesting. Clearly, somebody that's really respected likes this Rams team a lot in this spot here. Now, my only issue with the Rams, it's such a tough spot for them. Playing on a short week, Monday night, the first ever, or at least not the first ever, there's been playoff games on Mondays before, but first time in a long time we've seen one. They played Monday night late. Now you're going to the East Coast in an early Sunday afternoon game. It seems like a difficult travel spot. Matthew Stafford still, I mean, during the broadcast on Monday night, they're talking about his issues with his toe, I believe it is. He's had issues with his back, so he's not all the way healthy. This game, I mean it's, a lot of injuries is kind of where the handicap starts and finishes, for me at least, and the fact that the Rams injuries aren't being uh, devalued as much, and the Bucks' ones are, it's, maybe that's telling you which side is the right side. Yeah, I think it is
3: a telling indicator, and, and that's something that, you know, I've learned through the years in this business, looking for context clues in the market, and I think there's something else we need to mention here real quickly, too, that Look, if you like Tampa Bay, bet two and a half. If you yeah. like the Rams, bet three. And I know that that sounds like a really obvious point to make, but these are two very different handicaps. I mean, there's no reason to lay Tampa Bay minus three because there are two and a halfs out there. Find a way to turn that sportsbook into an out for you. Maybe it's somewhere you can leverage a sign-up bonus, something like that, if you're in one of the legal jurisdictions. Mm-hmm. But that's something that's really important, especially in a game like this where – We talk about Bills Chiefs being high variance mostly because of the total and the expectation. This game is high variance for a million different reasons, injuries being one of them. So, all you can really do in a game like this, I think, if you want to get involved, is get the best number you possibly can. So, if you like the Rams, you know, take a plus three. Take the best money line you find. If you like the Bucks, you've got to take two and a half or a depressed money line price if you want. If you find a minus one forty, you know something like that. But I think that's you know it's critically important in every game, but I think especially this one.
2: Yeah, at Betmgm it's two and a half minus one fifteen if you like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But here at the South Point where we're located, it's two and a half minus one ten. Right. So just right there, it's see, it's a very minuscule difference, but over time it makes all the world of a difference. To, unless you're trying to make a, a profit. When you're betting these games here, but there's threes available, like you mentioned with the Rams, if you want to get plus three. So getting that right number, I think is key, especially over in the Bengals Titans game. It's also mm-hmm. a key indicator as well. The number of four, if you see a four and a half pop, like you did earlier this morning, I think that's a key thing to look out for as well. These games just, it's just fascinating how Matthew Stafford, who was so questioned heading into the playoffs, now the betting market can't get enough of him, going up against the guy who, I don't know, has won seven Super Bowls in Tom Brady. Just It's interesting that we're seeing this team under a field goal right now with Brady's playoff prowess and Stafford's lack thereof.
3: It is. It is a very fickle market, to be sure. And, and the interesting thing, too, is we have so many data points for all of these teams, and it's still a fickle market. So, yeah. you know, I think it kind of speaks also to how tight these lines are. You know, there's not some grand line value. You're kind of looking for little, you know, minute details yep. that kind of
2: sell you one way or the other on the game. Oftentimes, injury news is mm-hmm. what kind of moves lines in the playoff, because at this point of the year, we know what the true difference is between these two teams. That does it for our number one. Hour number two, we turn our attention to college basketball. Simon Gersberg joins us of the college basketball handicappers, and he will talk all things today's slate. It is Betting Across America presented by BetMGM.